Well, welcome Blue Mountain Baptist Church. It is good to see you. For those of you who I don't get to see on a regular basis, I'm glad you're tuning in today or whatever time it is, whether it's good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's a blessing to have you uh, watching and hopefully we can be an encouragement to you and the Lord. This morning's passage or today's passage is out of Luke, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. I've entitled this message, Proof of Life, because the story is a very simple one. It's about a individual who has leprosy and he comes to Jesus to be healed, as I'm sure any of us would if we were there in that day and time. And yet Jesus tells this leper, after he heals him, something very, very unique that isn't really expected. So let's jump in to verse 12 through 16. I'll read through it, and then we'll go back verse by verse. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, not just a little leprosy, but full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to go tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more than the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. An unusual story, and the, the approach that Jesus takes is somewhat surprising. But above all else, not just what is the meaning, how do we apply it to our day, especially under the circumstances in which we find ourselves here in Baker or wherever you're living? And I believe it has perhaps one of the most applicable portions of Scripture that I've come across since we've been under quarantine or isolation. As a matter of fact, I believe as we dig in here deeper, there's a huge contrast in how God deals with infectious disease and how the world does and what the ultimate solution is and perhaps how our attitudes should reflect that. Let's begin in verse 12. It says this, while he was in one of the cities, so Jesus was preaching in one of the cities of Judea. We have no idea which one. We do know at this time he had been performing miracle after miracle and great crowds had been coming to, for healing as well as to cast out demons. And it says, there came a man full of leprosy. In the Greek and in the Hebrew, leprosy is more of a broad term for any number of really serious contagious skin diseases but this man wasn't just one of the minor individuals who had just a little bit or a small problem with leprosy. He was full of leprosy. And we're going to look at what that really means. But notice this, if you have any familiarity with the Old Testament laws, someone with leprosy, at least in the Old Testament, the law was they would have to live outside of the camp. And these laws were given when the Israelites were just coming into the land. They hadn't really moved into the cities quite as much as they had at this point, some thousand plus years later, they were applying it in, I guess, somewhat of a loose manner. Because for whatever reason, this man who would normally be living at least outside the city, either heard about the miracles or so many people were coming to him, they decided to, to either let him in or he just rejected the social norms, maybe even rejected the Mosaic law, because he was coming to Jesus to be healed. I don't know how you would feel if you were going into the grocery store and you ran into someone that you absolutely knew had COVID-19. 
You knew they had COVID-19. Everyone knew they had COVID-19. How would you feel if that individual across from the grocery store just made a beeline towards you or maybe your kids? Would you be like, oh man, it's so good to see you? Or would you like, I'm headed the other direction. I'm running. In that day and time, leprosy, and even today, I don't know how you feel about the whole COVID-19, but if I had to choose one, COVID-19, I'd choose a thousand times. I was thinking about showing you pictures of modern day lepers to try to give a better understanding of what this individual perhaps would have looked like or would have been dealing with, but it's, it's so distorting, it's so horrific. Quite frankly, I think it would make you sick. It, it turned my stomach as I'm looking at the horrific skin diseases that still exist. I can't imagine, and, and I think for application, as we're reading through this seemingly simple story of a man being healed, you really have to ask, how would you feel if you were a person full of leprosy, an incurable disease? And everyone not just maybe thought you had it, but they could see you. And the law itself said you were unclean and you had to live outside the city. You had to wear torn clothes, disheveled hair, and you had to yell at people, unclean, unclean, as you walked. No way to make a living. More than likely no spouse, no children, no friends, no fellowship. That was the sort of situation this man was in. And he decided to come to Jesus. He didn't blame Jesus for his condition. He didn't blame God, apparently. But he had either heard or had seen Jesus heal. And regardless of the cause, he decided to come to Jesus with his horrific disease, with his physical dependence on very life itself. He came to Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, there is a tremendous amount of of background here that we need to dig into to understand what's going on. First, he calls him Lord. He acknowledged is not just that Jesus is Lord like as he is a ruler. Uh, There would have been no reason for that. Jesus uh, was a carpenter. He had no religious authority whatsoever. Yes, he had taught in synagogues. Maybe people had a reason to call him rabbi, but Lord, no. And not only that, he says, Lord, you can make me clean. No one can make anyone clean other than God. It is God himself that declares certain things to be unclean and clean. So what was he actually asking Was he asking just strictly for healing? Was he asking for something more? Well, give you a little bit of background. Let's begin with the idea of who God is and who he is in relation to leprosy. Back in Exodus chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, God was speaking to Moses. And he says, again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside of his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. God was God over all of creation. He and he alone had the power to heal. Miraculously, just simply by his word, by a simple command and obedience, he could be healed. And so this leper clearly knew 
that God alone could heal. The story of Moses and the Exodus was the foundation for the Hebrew faith. It was the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. So the idea that maybe, just maybe, on this day, God could heal me wasn't a strange or foreign concept. Well, what about clean? Well, there's great debate in Scripture what clean means, clean and unclean. Most people wrongly associate unclean and clean with sinful and holy, or even bad and good. Unclean being bad and clean being good. That's not the case at all. For instance, when Noah goes onto the ark, God commands him to take both clean and unclean animals. He's not telling him to take these bad or sinful animals on the ark. Perhaps the best definition that I could come up with for clean and unclean is simply this, able and unable. God declares some things that you are able to eat or able to utilize in worship or able to do certain things and other things you are unable to do certain things. And so this man, because he had a disease, not because he was sinful, was unclean. So he was therefore unable to partake in normal society, in worship. A lot of people believe that certain uh, individuals during this day, because they were sick, had sinned, and therefore they deserved to be sick. And Jesus corrects that attitude time and time again in the Scriptures. So beginning with a better understanding of clean and unclean, what in the world are we talking about here? Well, we find the answer... Strangely, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13 and 14. And when I say strangely, I don't know about you, but when I'm at home and I'm reading through Scripture, I have certain favorite passages and books that I like to read. And I'll run across something, I'm like, yeah, someday I'd love to teach a study on that or preach on that. Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14, you can turn there if you like, but it's 116 verses on skin disease. Now, when I was a new believer, I was reading through the Bible and I can remember getting to the book of Leviticus and verse after verse after verse, I'm reading about, oh, pus and I'm reading about white hair and, and flesh and I'm like, seriously, God? Two whole chapters on skin disease? Couldn't you just throw a little bit of extra in here about heaven or, or maybe, you know, beating addiction or something? Why in the world do you have two whole chapters in the Bible about leprosy and skin diseases? And if you think I'm being a little too harsh here, let me just give you a little bit of flavor. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, and it says, And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. Man, I got to tell you, if, they, if that were my role today, we would be in big trouble. Not only would you come in with a leprous disease, you would leave with a leprous disease and, and you'd be covered in my puke. Really, I could not handle it. I could, I'd be just like puking all over the place. But we make the mistake, the priest, and we're going to get to this in a second, is not the same role as a pastor. Thank goodness. It says, when a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white and there is raw flesh in the swelling and so on. As I'm reading this, I'm like, really, God? 
That's what you have for me in the Bible today. That's my daily reading, skin disease. But here's the amazing thing. As we're looking here in Luke and Jesus healing a leper, and he's asking to be made clean, we're forced to look at how did God deal with infectious diseases within a community? And it's shocking and surprising when you contrast how God deals with serious infectious disease and how the world does. And then what is our reaction to that? I have a slide for you. We're not going to go through 116 verses. I'm just going to pick five commonalities that I I see as I'm reading through Leviticus, and you can follow along on the slides. There at home, five commonalities, and there are certainly some dissimilarities, but surprisingly, how God deals with infectious disease compared to what we're going through with COVID-19, because so many people have had various different reactions, anger, fear, and everything in between. And it's not until we've experienced, I've experienced living with this sort of situation that I realize how applicable Scripture is, and perhaps, at least for us, why God kept it in Scripture. And the very first thing is this, before we even get into it, there are 116 verses on infectious disease. Why is that important? Well, how many emails have you received from just various vendors assuring you they're taking care of COVID-19 and they're being safe and, and you ought to be happy and concerned and just full of rejoicing because they're on the ball. How many press conferences have we watched? How many declarations and executive orders have we received and been under? 116 verses seems small in comparison, quite frankly. And I got to give a shout out to my plumber. I think he's the only one that hasn't sent me an email confirming how great he is at COVID-19. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm just like, hey, let's just live. But everyone wants to talk about it. It's consuming people's lives. So 116 seems quite a bit less. First of all, God's approach to infectious disease. Number one, Leviticus 13, 1 through 3. Community leaders will make the decision regarding this infectious disease, leprosy. Not doctors. Specifically, priests. Well, how does that compare and contrast with the world today? Well, it's identical. Community leaders make decisions, not doctors. And initially, when all this happened with us, with COVID-19, I'm like, oh, we ought to be following the doctor's advice. No, we shouldn't, because guess what? The doctor is concerned about you and healing you, regardless of cost. And you know this if you've ever been to the hospital and you've been healed and the doctor says, yes, I'm glad you're healed. And you walk out and you go to a billing and they show you the bill. <laughs> like, clearly the doctor was not concerned about cost. I'm well, now I'm poor. I'm, I'm just, a, I'm a poor, I'm a well poor person now. You see, when you're dealing with an infectious disease, yes, it is about the individual, but you have to be concerned about the community as a leader, and the priest was a community leader. He's not the same as a pastor of a church. 
And you'll see here shortly, he was concerned about far more than just the well-being of the individual. He was concerned about the economic impact to that individual. So I think they both have it right. And quite honestly, I feel vindicated. I don't know if you know this, but if you talk to liberal scholars or even atheists who, who read and they always want to jump to the Old Testament and pull out examples here of like, man, back in the day, those Israelites, they were like, you know, ancient just fools. They're treating their people like going to like a witch doctor to get healed. They're so unscientific, so foolish. They're going to a priest with their medical problems. They should be going to a doctor. Well, having lived life now, I realize, don't go to a doctor, not for those ultimate decisions. For those ultimate decisions that impact the community, you have to go to the leaders in that community. Yes, the doctor will be a part of it or those that give medical advice, but it's far more than the individual patient. God got it right. Imagine that. Number two, here's where we begin to, to differentiate quite a bit. In Scripture, Leviticus 13, verses 4 through 7, the individual is isolated for seven days rechecked and isolated for seven more days if necessary. Today, our leaders have decided that the entire community should be isolated not just the affected individual, and it is ongoing. There's no end in sight. Radical different approach. Now, I don't know about you, but if we're going to cast stones on the ancient Israelites as being unscientific, a bunch of rubes, well, which sounds more scientific? Go deal with the individual who's sick and isolate him or isolate the entire community? I'll let you decide. Number three, Leaders in Leviticus 14, verses 33 through 53, and verse, uh, chapter 13, verses 9 through 59, leaders make graduated economic considerations for the infected individual. Clothing, homes, and even worship were carefully examined, and they did everything they could do to save a cloak, to save a home. If, if you were poor and you could no longer afford the proper offerings to God, the offerings were reduced. The cost was reduced. When someone had a disease, they wanted to make sure they did everything they could to help that individual, not only physically, but economically as well. Because it would have been really easy as a leader just simply say, well, let's kick this guy out of our community, burn his clothes, burn his house down. They could have did that. They didn't. They took very careful steps. And once again, we're not dealing with the exact same diseases, but leprosy, once again, you could have leprosy for years and not display any sort of symptoms and still be a carrier. It was a scary, devastating disease. Yet they took concern for the individual's well-being beyond just his physical well-being, homes, clothing, and worship. Well, how do we handle it today? Well, rather than helping just the infected individual, community leaders borrow money, going further in debt and giving it away to select groups of people and businesses while mandating most businesses remain closed. That's the approach that our community leaders are taking. The fourth commonality in Scripture, Leviticus 13, 44 through 46, the infected individual is responsible to identify himself to the community in appearance and voice 
when not isolated for whatever reason. In other words, I've just mentioned earlier, he would have to dress himself in torn clothes, unkept hair. He'd have to cover his mouth and announce, unclean, unclean. The individual himself was responsible for letting people know he was coming so they could disperse or avoid him. It's a tough boat to be in, but it seems reasonable. Today, well, rather than dealing with the infected individuals, community leaders surveil the entire community through drones and cell phone movements. I wish I were just spouting off some sort of conspiracy there, but the reality is that's on the news recently. Apple is providing cell phone movements. It's, it's out there. Uh, we're seeing video clips of drones following around individuals who have no known disease, telling them to go home. That's the approach the world is taking. The last one, when the infected person heals, he makes an offering to God in worship. Leviticus chapter 14, the first 32 verses and the last verses, 48 through 53. So if and when the individual heals, it's something to praise the Lord for, to sacrifice for. It's this beautiful event. How does the world handle that? Well, you tell me if someone comes to you and says, I've had COVID-19, but I'm healed. Do you keep your distance? Are you still fearful of that individual? And if you yourself have had COVID-19, do you even tell anyone that you've had it for that fear? And in the back of your mind, do you just kind of wonder if your name is on a list somewhere now? It's a, it's a scary thing. It's not a thing that we praise God for. The world's approach to infectious disease is radically different than God's. You be the judge, which sounds more reasonable. Moving back to Luke chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus' response. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Wow. Would you touch a leper? And if you were a leprous person, how amazing would it feel to finally feel the affection and touch of another human being? Jesus, the Son of God, reached out and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus does what only God can do. He heals him. He makes him clean with his disease but he declares him clean. Be clean. Jesus, the faithful Son of God, has dominion not only over the earth, not only over demons and various diseases and of nature, even the fish and the story of the boat and the fishermen we, we talked about in the previous weeks. He has dominion over life and death, disease, the faithful Son of God. Well, what does he do? Verse 14, here's where it gets a little strange, seemingly. He says, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded. We kind of went through some of those a little bit. Why? For a proof to them. Jesus specifically wanted the priest, those in charge to actually have proof 
physical evidence that Jesus was God. Now, ultimately, they would have to believe you still have to come to God by the grace of God through faith. But it's not a blind faith. There was proof. So Jesus gives this man who had been healed, who had received such a blessing from God, a, a cleansing. And he gives him a specific mission. That mission was to go and offer proof. He was to be not just a witness about Jesus, but a missionary to a specific group of people. This was a man who had had no connection whatsoever. And he had to decide, upon receiving this blessing of this final healing, was that the most important thing? Or was the most important thing to take this blessing and just tell everyone about the physical blessing that you received? Or was the most, above all else, important thing to be faithful to God and His commands? One, the Mosaic Law, and now as Jesus commands him, go and offer proof to the priests. He had two different commands, both essentially doing the same thing. And he chose the physical blessing to proclaim it rather than to follow the commands of God. It's a battle that we're facing right now. There's the physical well-being that we're captivated by, that we're putting so much money, effort, and a lot of other things into protecting the physical well-being of our population, of ourselves. But is that the most important thing? Or is the most important thing being faithful to God, the one who can give us eternal life? Have we reduced meeting together as a church to simply fellowship? Or when we think back, the purpose of our meeting together, was it to encourage one another, build one another up, love one another, and above all else, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That in Him, you not just have life, but you have eternal life. And have we set that aside just simply for physical well-being? It's a tough question to ask. The answer is even harder. Verse 15 gives us a report of what happened as a result of this individual's, frankly, unfaithfulness. He had great faith to be healed, but when it came to actually spiritual things and spiritual commands, not so much. It says, but now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Well, they liked hearing them, but above all else, they wanted to be healed. And once again, who blames that person, right? If, if you're sitting there with COVID-19 or have had an individual die, God bless you. I'm so sorry. All of us, we just had one of our church family members just received news that one of their family members have died, has, has died of, of something else. And it's a great tragedy and she's mourning and we're mourning with her. I, I don't mean to make light of that. 
But in light of that, in light of death, you have to ask what's more important, death or eternal life or an eternal destination? What happens after death? So often, as we're interviewing candidates to backfill my position, it happened just again recently, people were more than willing to go to the crowds around them and where they lived, as long as it wasn't further than maybe 100 miles from grandma and grandpa to share the gospel. But when it came to moving from where they were at to a largely unchurched community such as Baker City, not lack of church buildings, but lack of believing Christians, well, that was a little too uncomfortable. You see, this individual here in Scripture, he he had no problem telling of Jesus to the crowds around him, but it got a little uncomfortable when he was required to go all the way to Jerusalem and speak to the authorities about who Jesus really was. Finally, it closes in verse 16. It says this, of speaking of Jesus, but Jesus, or he, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Seems an odd way to close such a dramatic story of a healing of leprosy, of Jesus simply leaving. And so many people read into this and they say, well, Jesus just wanted peace and quiet. He was frustrated with this guy, so he just left. He got really tired of the crowd. He just wanted to go be with the Father. Well, that's certainly possible. I can imagine frustration, but just for peace and quiet, that seems to be reading into the text. It's maybe one potential approach, but I believe there may be more possible reasons. And I think we have to think about them ourselves as we're engaged in the ministry of being disciples and making disciples, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Maybe first, Perhaps Jesus just simply had an overwhelming sorrow of the number of people that were sick and just the very nature of their diseases. Can you imagine crowds of thousands of people with cancer, with leprosy, blindness, all these different individuals just coming around you and overwhelming you, all wanting to be healed? I've heard of stories even today of ER doctors who are just so overwhelmed in hard-hit areas with COVID-19 where they have people dying and dying and dying in the ERs. It's just overpowering to the census just how evil this world really is. And to think that maybe an individual would want to step out of that and withdraw and take time to pray seems pretty reasonable to me. I can't imagine being around thousands and thousands of sick people and seeing this sorrow. Or item number two, maybe Jesus was just heartbroken, not just over the sick, but the fact that the sick were coming and he was healing them and he was telling them about really the truly good news that he hadn't been sent to just heal them, but he had been sent to give his life for them on the cross that there was a greater message that he was sent to save them, to redeem them, that they might have eternal life, that they no longer had to fear sickness and death. And yet they were rejecting it, just like this man who had had great faith to be healed, but had little faith to go and proclaim the message. 
That certainly would be a good reason to withdraw and pray to the Father. Just being so disappointed and heartbroken over the very people who received the blessing would not take, therefore, the commands of God and go. Or just simply, this individual himself. Maybe he so touched Jesus that he just needed to step away. If you've been in ministry long enough, and I know many of you have, whether it's serving in a small group or behind the scenes, you get so connected to certain people and you love them so greatly and you pour your life into them and one day they just walk away and follow their own path rather than following Jesus. And it just is heartbreaking. You wonder what happened. If you're in ministry long enough, that will happen. Maybe it was that. Or maybe it was just simply this. Jesus saw the Father working powerfully through him, healing. Maybe it was a battle within Jesus of, why not just heal everyone? Why not set aside the mission of going to the cross and dying and just simply spend the rest of his life healing? That, that's what the people clearly wanted. And he had to battle, would he do what the people wanted or would he do what the Father wanted? Let me leave you with this simple reality. Jesus did take time, regardless of the purpose, to get away and speak to the Father alone. A final verse that you can see on your screen that we'll close with says this, Jesus speaking to his disciples. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Maybe you feel like that this very day. Haven't been able to meet. You feel alone. I've talked to many of you who are like, there's just something more to meeting together than fellowship. It's critical. But here's the good news. Verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have no idea what your situation is today. I haven't got to speak to as many of you as I've wanted. But I know there are a lot of difficulties going on in your life. One of the greatest difficulties is drifting further and further from the God who loves you. Not because he's drifted, but because of the things that we've been placed into, because of the decisions that we make every single day, it's easy to drift. But Jesus has overcome the world. He gives us his word and his promise that we may have peace. In this world, yes, we will have tribulation, but Jesus has overcome it. Whether it's COVID-19, leprosy, unemployment, loss of jobs, it's okay. We who believe in Jesus can have peace. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, I'm not saying that you've never been in church. I'm not saying that you've never read the Bible. I'm not even saying that you don't claim to be a Christian. I'm just saying if you've never actually trusted in Jesus, which means that you've repented of your sins, 
You believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead and you confess him as Lord of your life. Meaning he's in control. No longer are you in control, but he is. The Bible says that you've been saved, that you've been given eternal life. All who call upon his name will be saved. I encourage you, if you've never had the peace that I'm talking about, Jesus will give you that peace. But it's a decision that you must make. We have been saved by grace through faith. It's a simple trust in Christ. If you make that decision, the Bible says you're born again. You're, the, you're part of the church family. You're part of the body of Christ. You no longer have to worry about the world. You can now have peace. I pray you did. It'd be an awesome day for me to hear any decisions that have been made. Thank you for watching this video. Please be on the lookout for new announcements as things change. Right now, coming up, we might have a new declaration somewhere around May 15th that things may change where we might begin to be able to meet again, even in smaller groups, multiple services. So please watch closely out there on social media, our website, for the latest updates. God bless you. Thank you for watching.